Hello everyone, boys and girls, and welcome to a new episode of the For Change Makers Show. In today's episode, we had a great conversation with Carrie Schwetman, and together we explored the topic of brand activism. Carrie joined us as a guest at the For Change Makers Lunch Club. This is a format where every two weeks we sit together with an interesting guest live with people so they can ask the, their questions and interact with us. At this episode, we have more than 30 people joining from all over the Europe and we have a great conversation, as I'm saying before, about brand activism and the role that a business can play in today's greatest challenges and how you can use the voice and the brand of your business in order to say something. She shared with us really cool stories, really cool uh, business cases of brands that are doing it today and what we can learn about it. She also shares some step-by-step how you can engage on brand activism with your own company or within the organization that you work with. Also, you will hear a lot of questions related with the B Corp movement and a lot of questions actually that came out of the people who join us live. To learn more about this and the role that business can play into bringing change and into using your voice and amplifying your message, listen to this episode and enjoy. Hello. Hello, <laughs> Carrie. Well, welcome to the For Change Makers Lunch Club Second Edition. We are happy to have you here. So thank you, thank you very much actually for well. taking the time uh, out of your day, out of your uh, out of your life, you know, and out of the things that you have to do to actually sit here today with us and share with you, you know, a little bit of the wisdom and of the research that you've been doing. So thank you very much for for being here today with us. Thank you, thank you, Fernando and Sina. Super happy to be here. Awesome. So, uh, well, first of all, before jumping into, into the conversation, I want to introduce Carrie so everyone here is in the same page and know who, uh, who is she. So, uh, well, Carrie Schwetman, if my, um, my pronunciation is, is right, Carrie Schwetman. Uh, today we will be talking about the topic of brand activism. Uh, Carrie is a fellow B leader. Sina and I were also B leaders, very involved with the B Corp movement, and she's involved as well in various in various environmental campaigns and work with impact-driven brands. Her expertise is translating the purpose of businesses into action through different actions, kind of community building, launching activist initiatives, and campaigning. Um, you can also find various blogs and articles on her, uh, on her site actually i think uh, on the topic of purpose and brand activism and greenwashing on the internet we will share as well some of the links guys so you can actually go and have a look as well so anyway i'm really looking forward actually to dive into this uh i will be you know asking you some 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 questions related with the topic so uh, the first one actually is the one that um i would like to know what led you into the topic of brand activism and what's what was your motivation behind this you know what what make you get the attention here and say, okay, I'm going into this? Yeah, thanks, Fernando. That's a good question. Um, the story is a little bit longer, but I'm trying to keep it short. Um, so my journey um, as an activist started roughly two and a half years ago. Um, it was a pretty pivotal time of my life because I started to realize that um, yeah, time is running out and that we really need to do something about the crisis that we're in. Yes. Um, and I was applying that time to um, join the Climate Reality Leadership Program um, that was organized and still is organized by Al Gore and his team. Um, mm -hmm. And I got accepted. Um, so in summer of 2018, I joined um, the, yeah, the, the Climate Reality Leadership Training, which was basically a huge gathering of 500 people from all over the world to equip them with the right tools and insights for them to you know afterwards go out into the world and spread the word um, and fight the climate crisis and um, that was um, not only a, a huge 
insightful experience. It not only provided me with the tools and insights, but also with the network, right? Like for me, I felt this, yeah, very imminent urge to, you know, put myself into action instead of just like, you know, running around like a headless chicken. <laughs> and um, so I got to know great people. Um, I was sitting at a table with a few um, with whom I later started to organize my own or like, you know, our own first initiative, which was basically, um, in German, it's called Klimawache. Um, in English, it's Climate Vigil. It's a monthly, yeah, vigil organized in front of Brandenburger Tor, where we, you know, we, we got together all the different climate movements, gave them a platform to talk about their cause and, you know, and, and also reaching out to media. So I, that was, for me, that was the entry door into this the, the, the sphere and and the room of um of activism um and i rem remember really clearly saying to one of my fellow uh people there like you know i really want to do something about it but i don't know what and i don't know what activism is and and then she was just telling telling me um well you're already doing it right so for me it was this very okay very sudden um sudden exposure, but also pathway, realizing that it's really easy to actually, you know, put yourself into action. So anyway, that was um, that story. Um, I was organizing that climate or co-organizing that climate vigil for roughly half a year. And then um, I also realized, okay, well, there is more about the climate and the environmental movement. I want to I want to really join a movement, not only something that is, you know, taking place on a monthly basis, but that actually involves grassroots organizing. And that time I joined uh, Extinction Rebellion. Mm. And um, that, yeah, of course, of, that was also um, a very intense experience, I would say. Um, it was also the experience that um, made me understand what is actually the um, foundation of activism or what are the tactics and the strategies behind it. Um, and without going too much into the details, because at some point I decided to leave again, but of course, like for, you know, for those couple of months, um, I very much understood the organizing and how these movements are set up to create as much impact as possible. In the, in the time that is left, right? Like every action is organized on the premise that there is not much time left to make a change. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, like the movement itself, like there's much to be criticized. It's, it's, it's not the perfect movement by far not. Um, but again, like um, some of the tactics and, you know, the organization um, really made me understand like, you know, how can we be effective in activism. Can you can you please briefly briefly explain what is uh, um, this movement? You know, the Extension Rebellion for anyone that maybe didn't hear about it. I know it's quite famous, uh, but anyway, if anybody doesn't know what it is, maybe you can briefly explain that. So that's the first part of the question, and then yeah. the next one, um, when when you talk about activism and brand activism, uh, what's what's that definition for you? So kind of like that's the the two part questions. Yes, sure. Um, so first of all, Extinction Rebellion is um, yeah, a climate activist movement that at its, at its core is based on nonviolent civil disobedience, which means that they organize actions that do involve, you know, breaking the law in terms of, um, you know, you, you, the law doesn't allow you to, to glue yourself on the door of, a, um, of, a, of an institution, right? So, but they do this to get the attention of the media. Like also their strategy is to create very strong visual settings um, that the media can pick up on in order to spread the message. So that was kind of the strategy, the underlying strategy. Got it. But um, what I also want to emphasize, they are strictly nonviolent and they are in constant exchange also with the police and with the politics. So it is, the aim to um, to have that space of conversation, which is really important because a lot of other movements that also failed in the past um, haven't been um, driving this kind of strategy. But of course, the downside of it is it caused huge, um, how do you say, it, it caused a huge backlash because, you know, people felt offended. Mm. 
and I can understand that, right? Um, but this is like, you know, as I said, like there is not this perfect movement, but I do think that the movement kind of like, you know, managed to um, instigate um, a debate around like, you know, how far can we go? Are we, are we like, you know, what is radicality? Are we radical if, you know, we are facing this death and this um, extent of a crisis? Um, you know, this kind of questions um, mm. they wanted to, to, to put on and instigate in the, in the wider audience. First question. <laughs> Second question. Um, now you have to help me again, uh, Fernando. Yeah, the, the, the thing is that you, you mentioned before uh, that you were asking yourself in your journey, uh, how can I become an activist? And then a fellow, a fellow crusader, you know, tell you, you're already doing it. So uh, what's, what's being, you know, an activist? How, how you do that? What's, what's your own definition? I think in that sense, anyone in the world can have a different one, but in, in, in your opinion, what's, what's this definition that makes somebody, you know, a brand activist? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, right now is the time to um, kind of like build the bridge towards brand activism, mm -hmm. just really quickly um, where I'm building the bridge for myself because um, that time I joined the movements um, and decided I wanted to, you know, engage in an activist way. I also founded uh, my own business that was roughly about the same time. So for me, it was like I had this very strong cognitive dissonance of to bringing those two together. How can I be an activist when at the same time I'm having a business that is contributing to the mess kind of that we're in, right? So um, I, I tried to like, yeah, get that under one roof. And um, again, at the same time, I saw brands engaging in activism and I thought like okay well that's interesting first of all I was like hmm you know that's weird um but then also it came it you know I, I got the notion of like okay well that makes sense and I actually support that um and so to me like when the way I look at brand activism is very much through the lens as an activist right I mean this is like you know I come along with all those learnings and lessons and experiences and yeah. I want to like, you know, I want to apply them uh, on brands that want to make a change as well. Um, so for me, brand activism is very much, you know, the adopting the tactics and the strategies of activistic movements and incorporating, like literally incorporating them into their own strategies and aligning them. Um, and if that's done well, I think it's super effective. It's super impactful. Um, I, I see a lot of brands doing it in a really, really good and effective way. At the same time, I also do see very clearly where companies, you know, kind of like fall short and where they can do better. Um, because what I see, what I observe is more and more companies engage in brand activism and they're kind of like copying each other. You know, there is this yeah. like, you know, there's this sphere of companies who really want to do something which is great to see and then, but they, they only look at their peers where I say, well, you know, we have decades of experience of activistic movements. Look at them, look at their failures and learn from them because like, you know, activist movements have been there for, again, decades. They've been building on top of each other. They've been learning from each other. Just to, just to say an example, what I think is very interesting, uh, the Occupy, Occupy Wall Street movement, um, you, you may know, like they utterly failed, right? It was like a straw fire. In the beginning, they were really, really strong, but then their energy also quickly faded away and then they just failed. And one reason being is that, um, is that they didn't, they weren't willing to, create that conversation space with the people and institutions they wanted to change. They denied that actually. And that was a huge mistake. So what we see now also with Extinction Rebellion or Fridays of Future, they all, you know, they, they are very um, aware that this space is super important. N not to like, you know, affront others and be like, okay, this is us and th that is them but to find, you know, the, yeah. The yeah to, to build that collaboration, huh? Yes. Like totally. we're all in this together, instead of like pointing the finger and making people feel guilty, uh, really, you know, bringing everyone together to try to figure out how to do it, no? Exactly. And um, yeah, so that's, 
again, like, you know, I'm also with, I'm always like referring to Extinction Rebellion, of course, because I've, I've been looking from the inside, um, mm. but this is also something they've been very much trying to create also with the people that felt offended, but it didn't quite function, right? It, it, it's still like, you know, they still didn't want to, yeah, it was a tough thing really. Um, and also another tough thing, which also I would like to forward to brands, um, you know, among the environmental and climate, um, climate movements, the movements are very scattered. There are lots of movements and they tend to bash each other as well. You know what I mean? There's a lot of bashing among like, you know, movements that have a very common goal. And I, I don't understand that. And it's, I, I believe something that, um, that where a lot of potential gets lost. Um, and I think if we, if there is something to learn also from the failures of past movements, then really like, you know, we need more collaboration. And um, yeah, we don't we don't get anywhere if we if we just you know yeah yeah I I, I agree with you now I, I I think this is this is really interesting because I, at least I believe that we need today we need them all so we need the activists raising the awareness we need we need the politicians changing you know the laws and making this thing you know really helping us as society to move forward we need the individuals we need you know the teachers, we need the scientists and research coming up with new solutions. And, but today also I would like to focus on, on business, you know, so we need the business as well. So today I, I think the role of business that can play, uh, the, the role that can play business, you know, on, on helping to today, you know, to the climate change, it's, it's really important. Now you're coming with an experience from how can really the business, you know, be part of that change, not only by action, but also as an activist, you know, as a brand activist. So now my question is how, how a brand or how a business uh, can engage into activism. So for somebody right now, for example, that is listening here uh, and they, they, they have a business and they said, you know what, this sounds amazing. I would like to be more activist, not just as a person, but also as my, as my brand. Uh, what are your, your recommendations, you know, what are your thoughts about how can somebody engage with their business, with their brand as an activist? Yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> recommendations, um, but maybe just really just like um, the way I would get started um, is really, first of all, the question or asking oneself the question, what is the impact that you are trying to make? Yeah, very, very central because um, like, for example, if it's about plastic pollution in the oceans, you know, you have the option to, um, you have the option to, you know, find means to help get the plastic out of the ocean, or you can, you know, say, okay, we want to ensure that that plastic doesn't get in the ocean in the first place, right? So if, 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 it's, if it's about plastic pollution, it's always advisable to think about fighting the root causes instead of the problems. Mm. And this is something that Patagonia, for example, is very concerned about. I mean, Patagonia is a brand that has been engaged in brand activism for decades, I think for almost oh. 40 years. So they have the experience. Um, and actually, if you look at them and what they're doing, um, you can be sure that it's been very thought through, right? So what they're emphasizing is, okay, we don't fight we don't get the plastic out of the ocean we rather fight like not getting that plastic into the ocean in the first place uh, one example but they also what patagonia is um is is doing they are not directly activistic but they're in they're rather indirectly activistic because they're supporting grassroots organizations they saying as an organization i can make more impact um, if I am, you know, helping or providing means and support and money to organizations who really do this full time, like, you know, what can I as a company do? Isn't, isn't it a better use of my money if I invested in organizations who really, you know, are very target oriented to do that full time, who really have the knowledge. So this is, this is a question, like what impact do you want to make and what is the best way to create that impact? Um, uh, maybe another example, Oatly. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of you probably um, know about their campaigns. They've been also quite controversial in the past because of their recent um, investment by Blackstone. 
Um, but what they generally did very well, in my opinion, is that um, they used the campaigns and their resources to mobilize the public, which really, you know, is credible because it doesn't make, you know, it, it, it's, how should I say it? Like, you know, you, you, can, you can place your product there and, and do a, an activistic campaign, or you can, you know, put out that petition and try to mobilize the public to sign for that petition, which I think, yeah, that's, a, that's how activist movements do it as well, right? Like they, they are all about creating a movement. And I think this is so essential, um, like creating a movement is such an essential and important means because um, that gives you the network, the multiplication effect. Right. That's yeah. That's 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 good use of your money. <laughs> uh, if it's really about that impact that you're that you're creating, um, and what Oatly did is like you know they created the movement for people to sign the petition in the first instance. In the second instance, it was again allocating resources to hook on other companies and get them on board. And and you know and 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 so it's not only them as Oatly, but then it's also Oatly plus like seven or eight other companies. And this is how you build momentum and pressure and um, much more um, awareness in general, as you can as you can do it by your own. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for 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 actually pointing out as well to real life examples. So so you cannot you you. I mean, it's not necessary to go and to invent the wheel. There are other brands that are already doing it, so we can build up on that so so in that sense pointing out i think you know real life examples is definitely super valuable now one of one of the downsides because this in theory sounds amazing so we're having these problems today as humans you know as a species we need to do something about it we need the voices of everyone and you can use the voice and the reach of your brand to go out you know and raise the awareness fantastic now, the downside of that, like always in life, people, you know, like the piggyback and, and getting this new trend and, oh my God, this is amazing. People, the consumers are responding to this. So let's say, you know, let's do something, you know, uh, kind of like, let's put a foundation, let's donate the 1% <laughs> of something, you know, and say, hey, we are helping the planet, come here, you know, and buy from us. That's, yeah. you know, what we call today greenwashing or corporate washing or something like that. So uh, how how we can you know detect that and um i mean probably it's very hard to stop this from happening because people is people and and the brands you know at the end of the day it's managed by people uh but but yeah how we can detect that first of all as a consumers and also as business owners so we make sure that we don't do business with people you know who pretend to do something but they are not doing it yeah yeah there are a couple of like i would say indicators Mm, kind I of think, like a red flag, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's not always like a hundred percent, you know, as a consumer manage manageable to right away detect it and look through and be super yeah. clear. That's actually you need a lot of time to to be really sure about it. But there are a couple of indicators, and for for me, they are first of all like um, in the end, we all know, you know, we the whole system is broken. We know that, right? And it's really tough to change that system. Um, but I think that there are good ways of how you can, how you can initiate that change of the system. And B Corp is only one example how that can, how can that yeah. function? You know, away from shareholder primacy towards a stakeholder driven economy. Um, very good example. Um, but um, if a company help enables to address the system in a way and show us and the consumers and the industry and the politicians that a different system is possible, then that's the best case. Um, and uh, again, I would just like say Patagonia because every, every one of you probably knows the brand. Um, like, you know, Patagonia is also all about like prolonging the life cycle of a garment. Um, whereas fast fashion, part of the problem, fast fashion is all about creating so much new clothes every week um, that creates that artificial demand among consumers to always be up to date with those trends. 
So, um, you know, there are company, more and more companies are, companies are saying, okay, we don't engage in that cycle anymore. We're going to withdraw from trend, from, from trends and fashions. We're only going to produce high quality garments and, 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 and stuff that you can wear for 10 years and even longer. And um, so if, you know, um, if a company is able to address the system, I think is one, is one of those indicators. Second, um, of course, like what is the underlying action of the communication? You know, I mean, I, I, to me, action is a form of communication and it speaks for itself. And, um, and action is substantial. You know, it's, it's, it's not as abstract as, and intangible as, as, as words. You know, action, you know, there is, uh, it's, it's, it's graspable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so um, it's always a question like, what is the underlying action then? And does that align actually with the communication measure, right? Um, these are the two, I think, most important um, indicators. And then to be a little bit more concrete, like I always be a bit aware of like, you know, companies pledging too much, like, you know, it's okay to give pledges, but if it's only pledging, then it's kind of like, okay, we need to be a little bit aware of that. Also offsetting is something that many, many, many industries and companies rely on. Also good first step, but it shouldn't end there. You know, offsetting doesn't, uh, doesn't help bringing emissions out in the atmosphere in the first place. Uh, doesn't doesn't counteract that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, the offsetting today is it's a super nice first step, but you're not solving the root of the problem that it's putting out the mission in the first place. So um, I agree with you. Exactly what you're saying, right? It's not you know it's not tackling the root cause, and there we go again. If you as a company want to um, you know bring about that change, think about what actually causes those problems. Most of the times, you know, we really get on the ground of systems thinking which is good. We have that discussion also with your, with your employees and, um, and your team. Like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really enlightening to, to, have, to have that thinking process um, on that. Um, also, I think what's something that um, has, been, has been observed is like buzzwords, right? Impact, sustainability, um, transparency. We tend to hear those. And then just because like, you know, everybody's saying them, it goes right out again. <laughs> And then why not like stop for a moment? And then when we, when, when we see like somebody talking about transparency, like what does it actually mean? What does it mean for the company to be transparent and um, or to be to have an impact? What exactly is that impact? And so forth, like, you know, it's, it's, it's always good as a consumer and as participants to have that moment of reflection. And Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's super interesting what you're saying because actually something that I encountered in my, my own experience um, especially when it comes to the B Corp, you know, side, uh, helping companies, you know, become more sustainable. Well, the first question is what, what the hell sustainability means? You know, what, what is the meaning of being a sustainable business or, or having a sustainable organization? What, what is that, you know? And, and, and that's one of the first questions actually that I normally ask and, and the amount of answers that I that I receive, it's exactly the same of amount of people you know I ask. For everyone, it's something different. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. what is sustainability? You know, in that sense, I think that B Corp really gives a good frame. You know, in terms of what sustainability means. So this is this is the meaning that you're responsible with your environment and you take care of your workers and your supply chain. You know, and the governance of your business, etc. So anyway, I think. I think those are really, uh, really good questions that we need to ask ourselves. I think we don't have all the answers, but at least asking the right question will lead us uh, to to a better thinking. Um, and this actually builds a bridge to my to my next question, uh, which, by the way, guys, uh, if you want to ask some questions to Gary, we will open up uh, soon the the question, so you can start typing in, you know, in the Q and A, uh, some question for for her. And uh, and coming back, uh, I read in, in in one of your in one of your blogs the, how important it is to ask the right questions. You know, uh, so can you can you please you know expand on that and maybe give us some examples on what are the right questions that we should be asking ourselves more often? 
Yeah, you mean it in terms of um, if you're thinking about your own brand activism measures or yes. consumers? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, I mean both because I think there are two main topics that, that we've been talking right now. So we as a brand, you know, yeah. also as a consumers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been saying before already, like important questions, like what is the impact that you are actually trying to achieve? And also tied to that question, like what are the what are the precise demands that are attached to it? This is also, by the way, a great learning from activistic movements. It doesn't matter if it's uh, environmental movement or a social movement like Black Lives Matter. All of them have very precise demands attached to it because you cannot make change if you don't know how that change should look like or how you envision that change to be. So um, what are your demands? Who is, who is the recipient of, um, you know, of the message that you're putting out there? Um, and then I would also add to that, um, yeah, what is the, are you addressing the right problem? You know, are you addressing a symptom or are you addressing a root cause? Yes. Um, it's also, because I also saw a campaign where I think it didn't, yeah, I don't want to name too many brands now at this stage, but there are a couple of examples. Um, then I would also, you know, is, are you willing to engage in campaigning? Like, you know, I think there is a, mis there is this misconception of like, okay, we have a marketing campaign and that's out there for two or three weeks and then we're cutting it off and then move on to the next thing. I think that's not the point of it. You know, if you have a cause and you have a clear impact that you want to make, then you're in for a long-term campaign. It's not something that is over after two, three weeks or a month or two. It's not uh, like, like a Black Friday campaign, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, right. So um, for me as a consumer, I would be suspicious if, you know, suddenly the next campaign would be about a completely different thing. So, um, you know, if you, if you really take it seriously, like you, you don't stop just because the attention goes down. Um, and it does, it, it does take long. I mean, I've seen movements and activists, you know, they are engaged for their whole lifetime. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's another question then. Mm, how, do, how, can you, um, how can you involve the audience? You know, because grassroots movement, I mean, grassroots organization is something totally different than we are used to organize ourselves in organizations, right? You know, organizations go top down and grassroots is very much bottom up. So how can you match that and also use that framework as a tool to involve um, involve the community, your community and, you know, potential followers? Um, yeah, these are we have a some of them. At the end of the day. Great. So, uh, well, I, I would say here one of the uh, last questions before uh, going into, into the question, actually, the people is already typing in. Uh, and this one is from one of our uh, community members. He's Lars, and uh, well, he he it's actively actually participating on our on our events. So uh, thank you, Lars. And he actually was very very um, uh, proactive, and he sent up a question, you know, even before the event. So uh, here here we go. Um, he he was asking about um, what's your opinion, you know, on. When, when some concept it's devalued over time. So, because there are some concepts that from marketing or PR reasons, you know, a lot of brands start using it. And at the end of the day, what happened is that the people or, you know, like individuals start losing interest on that specific, you know, uh, concept. So the example that he was giving, actually it's, it's, it, it's the word, the concept green, you know? So a lot of brands, you know, mm -hmm. using this green thing that at the end of the day, you just don't hear that anymore. Um, so the question is, if you see um, if you see the end of greenwashing, or maybe you see a shift, and maybe another concept, like for example, re regeneration, will be also uh, kind of like banned. You know, in terms of like generation washing, would be something you know that will be devalued over time. Do, do you yeah. see something like that happening? Oh yeah, of course. And I think the most recent term is purpose. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, because it's it's on everybody's lips right now. Everybody's talking about purpose and, you know, it's become, I mean, it's a very natural effect 
if you use, you know, if you say glass 20 times in a row, then it gets devalued. Your, your brain just doesn't capture the meaning anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think meaning is that is the key word here. So um, you cannot prevent this from happening. And actually it's okay that it's happened. In, in case of purpose, for example, I would say that's, it's huge that, you know, companies pick up on the concept and try to incorporate it and make the most of it. It's, it's first of all, a good thing. Um, I think we just have to be careful um, losing sight of it. And we, count, we, we can counteract that when we remind ourselves that these concepts, you know, they, we, we can, it's, it's, it's up on us to give it meaning and give it meaning in a, yeah, in a way, again, that makes it tangible. I think purpose, again, is also a very abstract word. Mm. Um, and I always refer to, you know, how can purpose be translated into action? And there are many ways to do that, but, you know, because the action is something that people can, can see, feel, grasp, understand, and um, find, find meaning about it. So again, you cannot, you cannot prevent it from happening. You can only re, yeah, remind and also remind your others, uh, your peers, that, um, that there's more to it than just a term and a word. And, um, yeah, I, I actually, uh, I, I take here some notes. Uh, you're absolutely right. And especially because purpose by itself is not good or bad, it's neutral. Maybe my purpose in life is to go and fuck up the planet. And, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> so, so that doesn't mean absolutely anything. Could be something absolutely bad. I mean, for maybe Osama Bin Laden, you know, his purpose was to put out, you know, the, the Twin Towers and he did it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it by itself could be something negative or could be something positive. So I, by the way, brand activism as well. Brand activism is also a neutral world because, of course, you can also have negative activists like tobacco or I don't know, like you know, there's ah, it, yeah, what you make yeah. out of it. <laughs> interesting, really, really interesting. Yeah. So thank you actually for for pointing that out. Uh, so anyway, let's let's continue. Really interesting conversation. We have here already uh, uh, some uh, oh my gosh, some questions. Maybe Sina, you can give us a hand um, on on this. Hey, can you see and hear me? Yes, we can see you and we can hear you. Yeah, awesome. First of all, Carrie, thank you very much for um, yeah sharing so many insights. It was really interesting to follow the conversation of the two of you and. And I can see that the topic is definitely interesting to um, a lot of people here as well, because we already received quite a few questions. And the first one is, um, I mean, you were already giving some examples of um, brands like Patagonia, et cetera, who are using brand activism. But the question is if um, you can also give some examples of some other brands, maybe some like smaller companies that use brand activism. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Like I have a couple of German uh, examples um not sure if yeah i will yeah i will just name them so i mean for example there is uh innocent mm -hmm. um they just recently also launched a petition um to make so what <laughs> what is the english name it's deposit right um like they they wanted to make the deposit also for their smoothie bottles, a law. So in Germany, on every bottle that you buy, there is a deposit of between, I think, eight and 25 cents. Mm. Um, but smoothie bottles, for example, are exempt of that law. So Innocent said, okay, like, you know, every bottle should be treated the same way. Um, we also want that deposit on our smoothie bottles. Um, so it's it, it's also actually actually a bigger company. It's, um, it's a daughter company of uh, Coca Cola. Um, another example is um, Fritz Cola. Mm, they've also been politically active for a number of years. Um, the most recent thing that they launched was a huge poster. Um, yeah, uh, with basically um, a funny a funny message. Uh, referring to Trump, um, no, not sure to be honest, like what the underlying campaign is, but it's definitely a very uh, positioned and opinionated um, ad. Um, you actually see a lot of that more and more. 
um, Patagonia as well, like the, um, you maybe saw the, um, the back label campaign where it said, vote the a-holes out. Um, it goes in similar directions. So um, again, yeah, you see more and more companies uh, taking a political stance uh, on that. Another, I think, interesting example is Ben and Jerry's. Um, they have been launching the, or they have been co-organizing the campaign to um, place 13,000 chairs in front of the, um, uh, where was that? In front of the Bundestag um, to raise awareness for the circumstances at Camp Moria. Um, that was also a big, big action organized. I think what I what I really appreciated about their tactics is was it was not only that big campaign with the chairs, but it was also creating and putting a lot of you can feel it. They put a lot of resources into building a social tool that helped every one of us to address and write a letter to a local politician and raise awareness for that. So um, I think it was a pretty creative and also, yeah, effect, again, effective way to mobilize people and help the people to become more activistic uh, in a very easy way. Um, yeah, again, smaller companies. Um, there was um, the female company that was in a petition last year where they actually managed to reduce the tax on femcare products um, from 19% to 7%. Um, also was very successful. Yeah, these are just a couple of examples. Oh yeah, thank you for sharing the examples also. Um, in general, we're gonna upload um, this episode today also in our podcast and we're gonna put all the links and um, brands you just mentioned in the show notes so for everyone who wants to follow up on what Carrie shared link wise and uh, example wise we will list it in the show notes and the next question is uh, from Anise and she said or pointed out that actually like companies are always like the sum of peop the people who work for those companies and then she was asking if uh, brand activism can also mean uh, or can also be that you work for a company who is not very active in that area yet or maybe not very like sustainable but then try to change it from the inside out yeah that's a very very good question i actually didn't um look at it that way yet i always say that you know of course companies are the sum of people and this is also very interesting to see because if you start talking to people and not only see the company as this abstract frame uh, framework um, then you realize that yeah of course these companies are made out of people and they're driven and they have ambitions and they want to do a change often yeah and this is why i say like companies mostly don't have bad intentions yeah um it, really that's why i always say like you know try to seek that discussion and conversation with the people and you will learn a lot and, and understand much of how you can overcome the obstacles um and Yes, and I, I totally agree. I, I'm not sure if, I, if that's a quick, can brand activism also be working for companies which are not there yet to change them from the inner spot? Yeah, I would say that's, uh, that's definitely also counted as, as some sort of activism. And by the way, Anis, um, I think we know each other. It's a he. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> maybe I just assume because it's uh, my name backwards. I, I just assumed. Oh, you. right. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so nice to have you here. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's go over to the next question. So, um, can brand activism be used to help a company shift its business model? Say again. Can brand activism be used to help a company shift its business model? So, for example, by testing if there's a market for a new product line or a segment? Yeah. I mean, I, I always say like, it depends on from which angle you take it. Are you are you engaging in brand activists to make a business out of it kind of? Like this is how it sounds to me a little bit or are you having a business to change the, the system? So I think it, it goes both ways kind of if you want to. Um, but then I always, yeah, refer to like, yeah, yeah what, what is the impact that you're trying to make and then try to align it with your business. And it's a challenge oftentimes um, big corporations have that challenge specifically, 
because they've been building up their company, of course, on a totally different paradigm than companies do it nowadays. So, you know, they have that challenge. Um, but yeah, there are ways to go about it. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, Jade would like to um, hear a bit, a bit more about the topic of uh, greenwashing. So how we can actually educate the consumers on greenwashing. I think, first of all, you need to be aware um, yourself, like, you know, how, what is greenwashing to you? Like, this is what I put a lot of work and research into is, first of all, understanding what greenwashing is, what are the different expressions of greenwashing? And once we have that understanding, I think it's really about spreading the word and, and, and yeah, kind of like actively disengaging from it. You know, if you work for a company and you have that awareness, also, you know, educate your peers. Do, do you feel that we're actually like living in a time now where uh, the consumers care about the greenwashing? Not sure, to be honest. <laughs> um, I see it more and more popping up. Like if I scroll through my LinkedIn feed, then I see that greenwashing is a topic and that, you know, there are events and discussions around it. But I don't, I don't think, I think we're still getting there. We're still in the process of, yeah. of you know, making, making the people care about it. The next question is also uh, in the direction of greenwashing. And um, Carla Sophie would like to know when does greenwashing start? I think it starts with not with not actually it's not with the impact you know mm -hmm. if you if you want to create an impact then you the best case is you you communicate that impact because if you know impact is very action-based so if you communicate communicate the impact then you're not greenwashing greenwashing is a break is like you know this this gap between communication and action so if you want to make you know, if, 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 if that break is there and there's no clarity about it, then that's where greenwashing comes into, comes into place. Mm. Um, wait, let me quickly scroll to the next question. Um, so the next one is, uh, how do you see the aspect of purpose and is the term shifting to be used like sustainability in context of greenwashing? I think it goes a little bit in the direction of the question uh, from Lars uh, before. But yeah, if you have any further points on that. Yeah, very interesting. I also thought a lot about it because purpose, um, again, it, everybody uses it and individuals such as companies, um, they realize that purpose is a profitable concept, right? If you look into the internet and research purpose, and the effect on business, then you find like, I think instantly 50 to 100 studies and reports from very renowned institutions and strategy firms that confirm that purpose, if you apply purpose and incorporate it, that it will affect your trip, your bottom line positively. Mm -hmm. So because that is the case, um, what happens now is that purpose becomes a strategy. Whereas purpose and also sustainability and impact shouldn't be a strategy. It shouldn't be a, or it's actually much more than a business strategy. It's a mindset and it's, it's an attitude. And I think this is where we can still get better if we manage to, um, to, to understand this concept more than just a strategy. And it's also like, you know, you can, you can really um, make a difference if you start um, applying it as a, you know, as a mind, mindset shift. Yeah, I agree with you. Where I believe we could, we still have a lot of potential to explore. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you, and I also agree that it should be a strategy, should be just given and like the foundation of of every business. Um, so the next one is um more related to the B Corp movement. So um, it's like how's the discussion related to B Corp? I mean, you and I and also we are all B leaders. So maybe you can give a little bit more background on how you maybe also connect uh, the brand activism with your uh, role as a B leader and how you see the connection with the B Corp movement. First of all, there is no direct relationship. I mean, I'm a trained B leader, such as, you know, 
Fernando and Sina, um, you're as well, but we all have our different focus areas and different ways of um, bringing in our own strengths and our own experiences into, into the B Corp space. So I'm, I'm just a brand person. For me, it's all about communication and, um, and communicating a brand towards employees and customers and consumers. It's just a field of interest of mine. I've always been drawn to brands and how come brands can be so successful and so strong. So I've been, yeah, researching that field a lot. And for me, it's just a passion thing. So um, there's no direct tie. It's really just my own very much personal focus, focus area. Yeah, but I think what you just said is also very like, important because you said that we, we are all big leaders, but we also all have our own uh, core areas. And especially like, if a company is going through this certification process and becoming a B Corp, then um, there are so many things internally that are changing and they have to communicate very strongly, first of all, internally to all the uh, stakeholders, but also externally to the stakeholders. And it's also having an impact on the brand. So definitely uh, for someone like you, who is like, uh, has a very strong background in branding and uh, the area of like building a brand and communicating a brand it's definitely a bridge for you on like how you can connect the b corp topic and the topic of brand activism yeah also because b corp you can differentiate you know the real deal with actually with the greenwashing so to to everyone listening here so b corp you know it's something that helps helps a company to measure the impact and not only the environmental impact, but also the impact that a business have on different core areas, such as the impact that the business have with the community, with the workers, within the supply chains. So really looking on a holistic way to all the stakeholders of a business. So any business that is certified means that has achieved you know, a minimum performance level, that that minimum performance level is already quite high. It's really hard to get the certification. So, so when you see the B Corp label on any business, that means that they are the real thing. They are proven, you know, they submitted and they prove that they are doing things and they're having a good or a positive impact to all stakeholders. So in that sense, you know, it's related because when a B Corp is doing anything, you know, in terms of brand activism, such as Patagonia or such as Tony's Chocoloni or such as, you know, any certified B Corp, you know, you know, you can certainly know that, okay, they are the real deal. They are doing brand activism, but they are, they are baking this with actions. So that's comes, you know, for the, for what we were talking at the beginning, they, they are proving with actions that they are good business, you know, for the world. So in that sense, uh, I, I think that it's topic, you know, that's very related. And as you said, everyone comes in with their own expertise. Uh, but definitely uh, any any B Corp certified company, you know, uh, it's it's a real deal and, and they, they are other thing, you know, than greenwashing or purple washing. Yeah, thanks, Fernando. That's very, very much aligned. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for wrapping this up, Fernando. And so um, the next question is, is also an interesting one. I mean, we're talking about the overuse of like purpose and um, term of green, etc. So the question is, how can a brand differentiate itself if like the terms that I just mentioned um, are overused for so long? Mm. Yeah, I think this is, um, this is already happening. And I see, I have actually just a couple of days ago seen a campaign um, that has been kind of like struggling with, you know, going viral with their activistic campaign. And I think it's also because the concept was very similar to something that has been launched before. Um, and it was exactly the question, like, you know, how, how, could, have, how could that company have differentiated itself more? Um, and I don't have that set of strategies, um, frankly, um, but again, it's, I, I deeply, I, I deeply believe that if you have that sense of purpose and if you are very clear about the impact that you are making, um, just stick to that and um, get creative people on board. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, I've seen like, yeah, I've seen companies hiring, I don't know, it's, it's 
it's basically either creative individuals or creative agencies. Like, you know, there are many ways to, to combine the personal impact with really professional people who, you know, have done their job in the past very, very well. Um, yeah, and get the right people on board. Um, because brand activism is only that, right? Like, there is no, you know, there is not this like broad wide funnel where we can like further evolve unless we go into, unless we are starting, start walking that path. So um, I don't have that guideline to show you how it's just like, yeah, start going on it and um, yeah, find your, find your path. Okay. Um, and then we have a question that is uh, about, like, can you share some more insights on how to promote activism besides marketing? Um, to promote activism. Mm. As I said before, um, activism, same as sustainability, impact, transparency, and purpose, you know, it's a, um, it's a concept and marketing is only an expression. So if you want to promote activism as a mindset and as something that people can learn and, you know, apply, um, I think it's just um, leading by example um, and enable others to join you um, and see how you're doing it. Um, I mean, this is very much how I got on board. It was not some marketing campaign. It was like talking to people and listening to their stories and then and then joining them. So, um, yeah. Okay, great. And now we have the last question. And this uh, one is about how would you measure the purpose of a company? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, well, I mean, there are two ways, right? First is um, you, yeah, actually it, it feels a little bit silly to engage into metrics and KPIs at this point. I don't wanna be talking about that. Um, but if you look to other companies and I can only refer to the many studies that there are on the, on the internet, um, which very much show you how you can measure purpose. Um, and the different metrics, it, it, you know, it starts with brand value, it goes over shareholder equity, um, you can measure it in employee engagement rate, you know, you have all those different metrics. Um, but then again, I think if, if I were to choose one, you know, one key criteria for purpose, I think it would be empowerment. And I mean employee empowerment, but also consumer empowerment. In what way do you as a, you know, as a company and as someone who works in a company enable your teammates um, and, and, and your customers to make an impact themselves and not only promote a, and, and, and sell a product? So yeah, for me, that would be like, you know, the degree of empowerment among, among the stakeholders. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's great. Um, yeah, so that we did it. <laughs> Many questions. Wow, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, by the way, thank you very much, uh, everyone, actually, for, for joining and, and for the people who are still here. Uh, some of them actually were they typing there. Thank you very much, uh, but they needed to leave. Uh, so, anyway, Carrie, again, thank you. Thank you very much for, for being today with us and uh, yeah, taking the time to, to share this interesting insights and uh, also to taking the time you know to answer these questions 11 to be uh, to be precise so uh, actually amazing engagement for from <laughs> everyone and uh yeah uh, questions yeah this uh, as a, as a podcast episode and including the links and stuff and the resources that we were talking about so uh for everyone it's very easy and handy to to go there and do your own research as well so um, anyway, Kerry, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Also, Thanks a lot to you two as well. So this was all for this amazing episode, super engaging and super funny uh, conversation that we have with Kerry. I hope that you enjoy it and i hope that you actually learn something and that you can ready to take some steps in order to engage into brand activism and use the voice of your brand to share your message 
Um, if you would like to join the future lunch clubs live and actually be able to engage and ask your questions live, then you just need to go to forchangemakers.com slash lunch club. That is for changemakers, the number four, changemakers.com slash lunch club. There you will be able to register for free and engage in the next episodes. Now, um, this podcast and the lunch club is absolutely gratis and it's our way to giving back. Now, in turn, I would like to ask you for your help on two things. If you have not given us a rating yet on the podcast, please give us a rating and review. By the way, you can do this in your podcast app by scrolling down and going into rating and reviews. If you believe the content is worthy, I would appreciate a five-star review. And then please share this episode with other like-minded entrepreneurs, which could be business colleagues, friends, clients, etc. Thank you very much for listening and hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.